the places, the bay. This is the Morecambe Bay podcast. Despite the sound, we're very much inside. This is Lancaster's City Museum. I'm here to see an exhibition marking the life of an artist who painted around the bay, the northwest, and further afield. But this is a display with a difference. So what was the thinking behind this thing? Because most galleries I've been to are very quiet. You get frowned at if you speak and have mind play sound effects. What, what, what's the inspiration? Again, I think I wanted to draw out how restful nature can be. So rather than it being a sort of quiet, purely visual experience, we wanted to bring out those evocative sounds and make it something quite therapeutic so that people can just you know, step outside of the hustle and bustle of Lancaster city centre, have a little sit down in the gallery, look with your eyes, but also enjoy it with your ears. He approves. <laughs> Rachel Bowers is the museum manager at Lancaster City Museum. Reginald Aspinwall is the artist concerned. It's a hundred years since his death, but his work and his fascinating life story continues to prompt much interest. So he was born in 1855 in Preston and his father was the editor of the Preston Guardian. Um, So he probably had maybe lower middle class origins, but what's probably quite interesting to us is that we know he started his art training very young. So by the age of 14, he was um, a student teacher at Preston Art School and then he moved to Lancaster probably by the age of 15, where he was again a student teacher, learning his art craft, but also teaching lessons at Lancaster School of Art. Wow, amazing early career. Mm. So we've got some of his artwork here, and I think the fascinating thing about him is that many people listening to this podcast will recognise some of the scenes that he's painted. Next door was some very local ones, Tahitian, but here's one here from, I think it's 1880, a Lakeland scene. This is a beautiful watercolour. Right quite a nice delicate one and I put it quite close to the beginning partly because of how early it is but also there's something quite unfinished about the style so it gives you maybe a sense of him developing his art although it could have just been a sketch that he did in preparation for a later painting so he might have done this um, on location and then taken it away to his studio and finished it into something bigger and more refined. Because he did make a thing about painting outside, didn't he, actually, you know, in all elements. And I think there's one of the comments that you, you put out um, a little later on that says, from, a, I think, a critic, that you can point, you can, you can tell when there's an artist that really gets the outdoors because you can see the kind of melancholy and the, it's not just all kind of bright colours. It's, you know, you get the sense of approaching clouds, for example. And, and I think in each one you can see that, you know, the weather plays a part, I suppose, as it did practically, because he's probably about to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's quite exacting about his uh, recipes for clouds and weather. Um, we've quite lucky to have seen his notebooks in preparing this exhibition, and he writes quite exacting notes about what colours he needs, how to create these exact qualities of light and I suppose everybody who lives in this area will know there's a very special sort of light and weather, plenty of weather that interplays across the bay and he's captured that in all sorts of different 
storms, fair days, sunshine, grey, different seasons. So he's he's very interested in that. And he mm. travelled, didn't he? I mean, given that it was near the 1880s, so I guess railway, railways were kind of coming coming to the fore. And there's a picture here of the Isle of Man, for example, in Castletown from 1889, another watercolour looking at the, the sort of the harbour area. So obviously he was able to travel around the northwest, not just you know Preston, Lancaster, Morecambe Bay. So he was prolific. Yeah, definitely. Um, artists at that time are benefiting from the railway network and it was seen as a bit of an alternative to the going on the grand tour where you know if you were very wealthy you could go off to um, France and Italy and study things there instead you can have your own UK based grand tour perhaps the staycation of its day where you go to um, Wales and Cornwall and Yorkshire and Scotland and, and see what's there and paint that um, so we, we know that he did that and you can see different examples from around the UK on display here. I love this as well, this is a good comparison here between, between sort of I think maybe 10-15 years difference where his style has changed. On the left hand side here we've got a picture and it, it is a, a fantastic another nice river scene um, and it is quite over, it looks as if it's an overcast day, the colours are a bit muted, a bit dark. On the right hand side though this seems like the hay wane, there's this kind of um, cattle about to cross a river here but it, it's bright it looks cheery so his style obviously changed didn't it definitely yeah so he he starts off with quite a, a technical and precise style of painting and that's something that he would have developed through his um his art training that was definitely something that he was taught to be very precise but as he goes off and travels and is exposed to more art movements, um, impressionism takes hold, that works into his artwork and things become a little bit looser, perhaps a bit more vivid. Um, so it's more of an artistic interpretation of the landscape than perhaps a very technical, mm. but he's still got those skills and he's building on them. And for a landscape as well, for kind of this kind of display and exhibition, I guess it's, you know, it's not to everyone's taste, is it? But I think with these, I'm not, not quite sure no one else here to ask, but you know, just my own personal perspective, to see a, a good landscape and to see them in, you know, as they are now in situ and the variety, I think is impressive. And I imagine you've had good feedback from people who've come to, to see it on a, on a wet day. You know, it's, it's a good thing to see, isn't it? And also, I suppose if you know the areas as, as we do, then you can compare and contrast how accurate he was and his, you know, his lighting, I think, is, is spot on. There's one, yeah, the loon at Caton. Again, you could, you could probably walk there today and it's probably not changed that much, mm. really. This, is, this is, looks like a weir just outside Caton. 1895, this was painted. Yes, actually. Um, so not every single painting, we're not 100% sure of all of the locations, and I'm sure that when they were first done, they would have had precise location names. Um, and lots of them have been captured. So we've got Stream and Trees in Spring by Rusty Poole near Halton. Mm. Thank you for leaving us that, Reginald Aspinwall. <laughs> we've got very specific, but then some of them, you know, they just end up saying trees and cows. And that's probably not how he originally envisaged yeah, it. Yeah. So if anybody does see a particular landscape and they know where it's at, um, we'd be very happy if they got in touch. I've already received a message from a friend who sent me a, a little pin on a map because there's one that's just titled, I think it's um, the River Kent. All right. And I was right. like, if you know where it is, <laughs> and she she said, I feel quite certain it's here. I was like, 
I feel like that's where I thought it was as Perfect. well. Yeah, <laughs> which is good to know. And it's good to know that people not only care yeah. but want to go away and do some research to to help the yeah. exhibition for the future. Yeah. I love this. Uh, this isn't uh, both. This is Crickieth in North Wales and the castle on the distinctive kind of mound right overlooking Cardigan Bay. Um, again, I don't think these, these houses would have changed that much. But again, the lighting, the, the you know the, the kind of cloudscape and. Just, it's, it's just amazing. I just love it. It feels a very positive picture at this time in his career. There's a good range, actually. There's some sort of very dramatic clouds, um, like that Welsh farm. Mm. You just feel that the rain is coming in, that proper Welsh rain that's going to be upon you any moment. And then there's some that are more, what we think of as like a, a chocolate boxy, pretty yeah. scene. Yeah. So I think perhaps he, he's, he's very mindful of his audience. He's painting for different tastes. Um, but he was quite successful in selling his paintings. Um, we know that they were going for sort of £150, some of the bigger ones, wow. some of the um, big names in Lancaster, like the Stories, had his paintings. Quite a few of the ones in our collection have come down through those families. So he did have his patrons who would buy his art and they were very desirable locally and, and further afield as well. From Walney Island to Sunderland Point, it's all about the bay. So we're going through his career here, and I guess there was a time when he was doing very well, life was good, and he was making money, selling paintings for a good price in those days. And then things seemed to change, didn't they? You can tell perhaps some of the styles as well become a little bit more kind of, a bit darker maybe, a bit more kind of melancholic. You know, as you've done his research, what happened with him? How did life treat him? So he does seem to have had a problem with alcoholism throughout his life and from as early as I think the 1890s he starts appearing in court for being drunk and incapable in Morecambe, familiar scene to us all I'm sure. Um, so he, he does seem to have um, had issues with alcoholism and there's some stories such as you know, needing to raise money quite quickly. So sometimes he would put together quite large sales and, and have to sell things. He got into trouble with debts with sort of friends as well. And a lot of people would lend him a lot of money and then eventually there would come a point where they would want it back. Pay and, back, yeah. Um, yeah, there's at least one court case um, where he ends up having to sell lots of paintings to try and make back some of this money that he's lent, he's been lent by a friend. Um, one of the examples we have here is um, we've got a few paintings that have a signature or rather they have a date but they don't have a signature and there's a story about him selling them unsigned and then when they come back to try and get the signature that makes it worthwhile, makes it special, he said, ah, I sold you that for a pound. I'm afraid my signature is going to cost you five pounds more. <laughs> so he could be a bit of a rogue at times, I think. Yeah, that's good business, isn't it? I suppose he could. Say he was. He was not being used, was he? He was kind of being being uh, very sort of business minded. And I love the fact you've got an easel here, and also just just here as well, some of his little kind of sketch notes. Um, these are watercolors again from a sketch pad. Again, just just so intricate. I think there's a similar kind of version over there, and you can, you can well, you can picture him, can't you, on the on the hillside, mm. you know, watching the weather, all kind of um, kind of protected from it, trying to produce something like this. I think in this day and age, people perhaps forget that we didn't always have iPhones and things. You don't just whip yeah. out and take a picture. So to do that take, takes time and effort, and 
I imagine from your perspective, you know, this is just is the reason for the exhibition. Is this somebody with a, a bit of an interesting backstory who could produce some amazing pieces of work? Yeah, it's, I suppose in some ways, it's quite inspirational that although he was having a difficult time personally, um, we can see from some of his letters that survive, he was very, he was quite desperate for money. He's writing to his friends and saying, can you send me money? I need to get this train here. I'm going to need to buy art materials. Um, so even though he's having a difficult time, he's still able to create these incredible, really detailed artworks. Um, on the Moors is, is a really vivid one. Mm. But again, you can see those, those storm clouds. I love this review as well. From This is from, from 1940, so I guess this was a, a similar kind of exhibition to, to yours, but obviously back, back in, the, in the 40s. Great quote from the Lancashire Daily Post. None but a true nature lover could have so caught the spirit of opulence, the solitude and sometimes the somberness of the countryside. How true is that? None but an artist in love with his work and nature could have painted his impressions with such loving care. That's a great review, isn't it? I mean, imagine that being written today about this, and you could, couldn't you? It's true. Yeah, there's a, a real um, reverence in the way that they've capitalised nature, nature lover, yeah. as if they're you know, yeah. really important concepts. Mm. Oh, that's good to see. And just through here, you've got to manage to get two rooms for these fantastic paintings. What, so where have they all come from? They've been donated for, for the exhibition, or have they been kept in, in trust for years, or a bit of a mixture? So we've got actually 50 paintings on display so it is a wonderfully large exhibition one of those paintings is a recent donation um, one is on loan from a, a local private individual and then the rest are probably about half and half from the Harris Museums and our own collection and most of the ones that um, both museums have really have been donated by private individuals so lots of people collected him and you know people come to the end of their life and then they think what do I want to do with this I want it to go somewhere and be appreciated and actually one of the really nice stories that's come to us um, in working on this exhibition has been from a local man who donated an Aspen wall painting earlier this year so I got in touch with him to sort of say how did his interest in Aspen wall start how did he start collecting and he said well as a child I used to come to Lancaster City Museum and look around and I remember seeing these paintings on display and that sort of started off my interest in art and obviously that's really what we as a museum long to hear. Great, what a great story. Yeah. yeah. What about his, his family as well? Are you still in touch with any members, distant memories or distant members of, of his family still? I was really hoping as we were researching the exhibition that we'd come across somebody because I knew that Aspinwall had a sister, that she'd married and gone on to have children, but it can be quite difficult to trace women's lines because they change their name typically at marriage and then well, today I got a phone call from a, a relative who had a painting and is very interested in sharing it with us, at least for this exhibition. So um, that's really exciting for us, particularly as it's a painting from when he was quite a young man. Um, and it's obviously some sort of um, kind of probably something he's done at school. So. Oh, All yeah. of these paintings are of landscapes, but this is actually a, a study of his grandmother's kitchen table oh, wow. and right. objects on right. it. So very different, yeah. and it just yeah. shows us a different side to what he can do yeah. and something about where he grew up. 
And the image of himself as well, this massive mm. poster through there. Where, where did that come from? Is this, was he painted by a, a colleague or a, was it self-portrait? Um, so it's this painting here. So we don't know an awful lot about the artist, Joseph Cross, but he is a fellow Preston-born artist, probably a contemporary of his. Um, we know that the Harris Museum has another painting by him, but other than that, we don't know an awful lot about it. But it's quite, quite a nice evocative painting of him at work, possibly having a bit of a smoke while he's at it. <laughs> but he's, he's quite smartly dressed. He's got you know, a nice big, heavy Victorian coat. He's wearing a, a cravat. He's got a little silk square in his pocket and he's painting. And that's just really, I think, how he would want to be remembered. And um, we don't have that many images of him. So it's just nice to see him in his prime and in his element. Rachel Bowers is the museum manager at Lancaster City Museum. The exhibition is on until November the 7th and is well worth a look. This is Nigel Thompson. Thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. There are many more now available. Just search Morecambe Bay Podcast and subscribe for more editions. Until next time, enjoy the bay. Follow us and get in touch. Search Morecambe Bay Podcast on social media.